Welcome to the work from home version of Market Week in Review for the week ending March 27th, 2020. I'm Sophie Antelgibert, and I'm joined today by our senior investment strategist, Paul Eidelman. Good morning, Paul. Hi, good morning, Sophie. It's a pleasure to hear you and to get to see you virtually like this um, while we're all confined to our homes. I am hoping that um, I imagine you've had a great deal of time to think about some of the the topics that have been making headlines this week that I'd love to pick your brain on. Um, The first one I wanted to get your thoughts on was sort of economic data releases that we've had this week. The second one was what was happening with markets this week? Can we get a quick rundown for you? And lastly, what do you think was driving markets and what caught your eye? Does that sound good? Yeah, it does. Okay, perfect. So maybe starting with economic data releases, there was a lot of data released globally this week that's sort of giving us a feel for maybe what what is the impact of the coronavirus um, having on economies? What did that look like? Yeah, I think we've been talking for a few weeks about the containment efforts from the virus shutting industries and uh, likely causing a sharp slowdown in economic activity. And, And this week was important because we were starting to get the first actual data releases that give us a lens on how that performance looks. And um, broadly speaking, uh, we are getting evidence of a very sharp slowdown here. There were a couple of data points this week, one uh, through a global lens and one specific to the United States that we think were uh, interesting and important. Starting with uh, the global view, uh, we got the flash purchasing manager indices for the month of February uh, for the developed markets. So data for the United States, United Kingdom, Europe, and Japan. All four of those regions showed a very sharp slowing. So those PMIs uh, were at a level of 50 back in February, which is right on the cusp between expansion and contraction. Those refresh data points for March that just came out this week fell all the way down to 36, which is a very deep contraction, roughly at the same levels that we saw in 2008, 2009. So, uh, Pretty clear evidence of a developed market slowdown. The other uh, interesting data point in the United States this week was more on the labor market side. Um, Initial jobless claims came out uh, yesterday and spiked to 3.3 million new people filing for unemployment benefits. Uh, That's a huge number. It's roughly five times uh, the peak that we saw uh, again in 2008, 2009. So it does look like as companies have shut down, uh, workers have been at least temporarily uh, laid off. And when we contextualize that around uh, what it means for the unemployment rate, it's likely that uh, the unemployment rate, which was historically low, around 3.5% in the United States, could move up to around 5.5%. So that's a pretty significant move um, and is roughly consistent with an economy that is turning over into recession here. Uh, that is a consensus view, though, and shouldn't be too alarming to investors. Uh, Former Chairman Bernanke has talked about the U.S. being in recession. Uh, Current Chair Powell has, the IMF has, uh, and most Wall Street economists share that view. And that's really important as we're uh, kind of putting on our investor hats, because when the damage is already embedded in consensus expectations, it actually doesn't drive um, price movements that much. And so I think what we've been trying to uh, tell our clients about is that this 30% 30% peak to trough sell-off that we've seen in global equities going back to mid-February already uh, roughly prices a, a normal economic recession looking back historically. And when you kind of zoom in on just a couple of data points that we talked about for this week, uh, global equities actually rallied on both of those days, even though the actual economic data was very, very 
poor. So I think we're still going to be in a volatile period, but it, it does look like, uh, at least incrementally, we're getting some evidence that some of this economic damage is already in the price, which is very important. So you did hint there, Paul, at, you know, what did markets do this week? Um, sort of, you know, they were down earlier this week and then rallied pretty strongly towards the end of this week. Obviously, markets are actually not quite closed yet as we're recording this on Friday morning, um, but it's looking pretty strong for, for today so far on March 27th. What can you tell us about the path of the markets this week, especially from a global perspective? Yeah, a lot of volatility every single day, but um, directionally, Friday to Friday, it's been very, very strong. So the both the S&P 500 index and the MSCI All Country World Index are up about 11% from, as recording this on Friday, relative to last Friday. That's a, a huge uh, recovery from what has been a very uh, sharp and, and painful sell-off. Uh, and for the sort of three days in the middle of the week, uh, where we were seeing the most significant rebound. Uh, that was the strongest three-day performance for the U.S. stock market going all the way back to the 1930s. So uh, investors, I think, are getting directionally more encouraged about the prospect of kind of looking through this and, and maybe finding a bottom. Definitely not out of the woods yet, but um, encouraging signs in terms of how investors are pricing the forward-looking outlook. Um, outside of equities, uh, we've seen inc some encouraging signs on credit spreads where both for investment grade and high yield corporates, uh, their credit default swap spreads have come in uh, pretty significantly. Um, on top of that as well, where there was some dysfunction in markets with wide bid ask spreads in the treasury market or uh, some evidence of dollar shortages internationally, uh, both of those areas of the market seem to be getting a little bit closer to normal functioning here as well as uh, we're recording this on Friday. Not all the way back to normal, but uh, incremental improvements. Uh, and as we kind of try to cast a narrative around what's happening here, it seems to be uh, at least in part driven by a very strong uh, policy response, both monetarily and fiscally in the United States and around the world. Absolutely. I mean, there has been a lot of policy response. Um, the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, um, the you know Bank of England responding. Can you share some details about that and how you think that that is that policy response sufficient? How will we know where you know where are central banks thinking of in terms of next steps? Right, they're obviously trying to stay one step ahead um, as much as possible. What what is your read of that? Yeah, the, the policy response globally has been very proactive, very fast and, and, and very large. Um, I think under an expectation that the virus might peak in the second quarter it will likely prove sufficient to backstop households and corporates from the brunt of the pain that they're seeing here in the short term. We don't really know, though, how long the virus will drag on for and if it does kind of uh, continue dragging down economic performance into the second half of the year, it's entirely possible that policymakers may need to step in and, and do more. Uh, but I think what's important there is uh, it seems like there's a strong commitment, uh, both in the United States and globally, to do more if needed. And uh, in the United States, for example, Nancy Pelosi has, even though they just passed this $2 trillion stimulus package today, already been floating the idea of doing more stimulus in the future. And I think that commitment is really important as we're thinking about uh, the forward-looking trajectory. But quickly into the details, I think this week, uh, two major developments on the monetary side. The Fed um, has transitioned to an unlimited quantitative easing program that 
is injecting a tremendous amount of liquidity into uh, treasury markets and helping to restore market function there. Uh, they also uh, dug into their emergency toolbox a little bit and have launched new corporate bond purchase programs. So buying uh, newly issued investment grade corporate bonds in primary markets and also in secondary markets. Uh, and as I was talking before about corporate bonds previously being an area of stress in financial markets, I think as the Fed has stepped in as a non-economic buyer, uh, they're helping to stabilize uh, spreads and, and market functioning there. So that's also a, a positive. On the fiscal side, um, I briefly mentioned this before, but a $2 trillion stimulus package uh, just passed uh, in the Senate and the House um, sitting here on Friday. $2 trillion is about 10% of U.S. GDP. It's bigger than the rescue bill that we saw in 2009. So I think that's a really important backstop to try to get money to the households and businesses that have been most impacted by, um, by the, the virus. Um, there's a couple of provisions in there that are interesting. I think one is uh, loans that are being provided to small businesses, roughly 350 billion of them. And those loans are structured such that if those small businesses commit to keep their workforce employed for the duration of this episode, the loans will be forgiven by the United States Treasury and it would effectively uh, turn out to be a, a cash injection. So I think that's a, a nicely crafted, uh, clever backstop that is, is part of this bill. The other one that's important within the U.S. package is uh, a $450, uh, excuse me, a $450 billion bailout fund. That is money that the Fed could lever up 10 times to about $4 trillion and uh, use that to support bank loans to small businesses to maybe ramp up those corporate bond purchase uh, purchases that I talked about before and maybe even launch a number of new facilities. So. We're talking about very significant dollar amounts in the aggregate that are, I think, important foundations for an eventual recovery. Uh, we don't really know if this is the bottom. It's really hard to predict when the virus is going to peak out. But uh, this combined fiscal monetary support is, I think, very important on a 12-month and, and longer horizon to um, start to build some positivity back into financial markets. Uh, and then just very quickly, globally, I think you mentioned a number of important developments from the ECB. They, they did more QE this week, uh, similarly from the Bank of England. Uh, but basically, we're seeing uh, enormous fiscal and monetary support come through in every country right now, not just the United States, Australia, Canada, Germany. Uh, this is a, a global phenomenon and I think is very important uh, to help us get through this uh, period of stress. So we're seeing the right responses from policymakers in a, a pretty proactive uh, and material way. It sounds like the markets were responding positively to this sort of coordinated central bank um, policies globally, which is helpful. Um, thank you very much, Paul. Thank you for your insights. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today, but we do hope that this positive sentiment continues into next week as well. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back again soon. <laughs>